Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got $5. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness. That was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network, and this is our NFC West Fantasy Preview episode. Here to break down the Niners, Rams, Seahawks, and Cardinals with me, one of the top fantasy rankers in the game, the odds maker, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's happening? What what jersey are you rocking today? Is that is that Garrison Hurst? <laughs> oh man, I remember I, I remember Garrison Hurst. I think it was opening day '98. I want to say I was, against yeah. the Jets, he had like a 96 yard walk off overtime uh, oh, run. I still I remember that. that like very vividly. But I know this yeah. is Jerry Rice '94. Uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I loved I loved the '94 jerseys because they had like the 75th anniversary patch, and everyone was kind of nice. rocking their throwbacks. I've been watching some some '94 games on uh, on YouTube actually. Nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, for any of you guys listening, guys and gals listening who may not be familiar, we're going to go through every fantasy relevant player uh, for every team in the NFC West. We'll start with the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, it, I mean, it starts with the quarterback situation. Brock Purdy's going at QB 28. Trey Lance is going at QB 30. Uh, and then Sam Darnold's also hanging around here. Uh, some reports are even saying he maybe overtaking Lance for that number two role. Uh, whereas Purdy, he had to, he had to wait until March 30th for the surgery on the elbow. Um, so it's a five to seven month recovery timeline. So like five months would put him September 1st, but you know, if it's, if he's on the long end, you know, it would be closer to November. Um, so that's why I guess Lance is still going in the top 30 as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you see this uh, quarterback situation playing out for the Niners? Yeah, I mean, normally it's the running backs in San Francisco is the shit show. We're trying to figure it out. This year it's the quarterback. Yep. But, uh, I mean, it all depends on Brock Purdy and how soon he can be ready to go because it sounds like he has inside track and he will be the starter yeah, when absolutely. healthy. Yeah. So, I mean, he was the QB9 in six starts last year. Um, I don't know if he has that kind of upside long term. But he he does, you know, maximize the potential of McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle. So he's just like perfect for this offense. And we didn't see it last year, but he's actually a sneaky good runner. Um, I don't know if they asked him to not scramble much because they couldn't afford him getting hurt because they had nobody behind him. But he does have more rushing upside than people think. So if he does play week one, I think QB 29 is just a steal. But we just don't know if he's ready. So that's the joys of drafting in June. But I think out of the three, I still think I'd be leaning Purdy right now. Yeah, and to be clear, you know, every report I've heard, even straight from Shanahan's mouth, has said, like, this is our quarterback. This is our guy. Yeah. It's just a matter of the health. So, as I said, you know, the, the optimistic timeline, he'll be, he would start every game, uh, mm-hmm. but that's not, it's, it's not, I, I guess, uh, it's not a given. I, w- any thoughts on Lance versus Darnold here? Because Lance is going to QB 30, and we, we always love these running 
scram guys who have some scrambling ability, but Lance has been a pretty big disappointment uh, thus far. And it doesn't, I mean, the fact that he's, you know, can't even like have a, doesn't even have like a clear hold on the number two role <laughs> with Jimmy G out of town. Yeah. Uh, that's gotta be concerning. I know he fractured the hand in 2021 and it, it kind of forced him to address what was already kind of some wonky throwing mechanics, but I think, I, I don't think Shanahan's loving what he's seeing out of Lancer practice. At least that's the sense I get. Uh, any, any thoughts there? No, this is tricky, and I think QB26 is overpaying for him. Um, Obviously, Lance has, you know, QB1 upside with his rushing ability, but I I just don't see it happening. On the 49ers, you know, maybe his upside is he gets traded somewhere, but I don't know where he would go where he'd be, like, the week one starter. Right. So, like, I don't even see a path there. Uh, So, yeah. Oakland? I I mean, Vegas? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was was going to say that in our uh, AFC West pod, but, yeah. That's probably the only outcome where, okay, I could see where, you know, QB 26 would make sense. But um, yeah, that would have to happen where Jimmy G gets cut and they trade for Lance. So a lot of things have to happen for him to hit here. Um, Still like the talent and everything. I I just don't see as many paths to take him to take him before Purdy, especially right now seems uh, I I don't want to say egregious, but questionable to say the least. Yeah. Cause you're not going to trade him into division Arizona. Uh, even though right. do but I, I, do, do that. <laughs> I do think he would be a good fit, you know, backing up one of these other scramblers, whether it's like a Lamar, or I know the Eagles got Mariota, but you know, somebody like that, but mm-hmm. um, I, Arizona would probably be the ideal spot just, you know, cause he could probably start, you know, six to eight games there with yeah. Kyra's getting healthy and still be kind of a one for one, not a one for one, but a, a guy who can kind of do, you know, move around just like Kyra can. But um, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I think, Right now, if the season started today and Purdy wasn't healthy, I think it would be Darnold. So, um, yeah, which is that. interesting. It, yeah, he might be great in this offense. Like, he was great down the stretch for Carolina. Yeah, I mean, he could, you know, he just kind of just he, he is a high pick, he does have some talent, but um, obviously not, not a great fantasy asset. But he might be a streamer, DFS type of play because he could do probably put up similar numbers to Purdy as good as this offense is. Yeah, no, remember um, this offense yeah. made Nick Mullins look like a good. Yes. yes. For stretches. So I I would not be shocked if like Darnold starts week one and he looks really good in this offense, kind of like Purdy last year. So um crazier things have happened for sure. Yeah. So Lance is a guy who's probably probably overvalued, even though I hate to say it because I, I love the I love the upside, but just really hasn't come together. And I don't I don't I don't really see it as of now. Uh passing game. Debo did not have a great year last year. Uh the A dot. Went from eight and a half to four and a half. The yards per route went from three to one point seven. The yards per catch went from eighteen to eleven. That was predictable because, dude, you don't just average eighteen yards a catch with it, an A dot under ten anyway. Um, but like his average, uh, cat like his average completed air yards was just two point four last season. So essentially, his average catch was just two point four yards beyond the line of scrimmage last year. That, that, I mean, that's kind of the guy he is, but that makes it like, you're really depending on him being this otherworldly yards after catch guy. Um, you know, so I, do, you, do you see him rebounding? I know he says he had a terrible season and he wants to rebound, but um, do you see it? Or do you think Ayuk at wide receiver 30 is the better value than Samuel at wide receiver 16? Yeah, I'm I'm going with Ayuk as the better value. Uh, you know, Debo is still one of the best players in the league, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But after Christian McCaffrey came over and after McCaffrey was a full-time player in week eight, Debo ranked wide receiver 33 in points per game Yeah. Uh, from that point on. It's just when you have another high-usage player like McCaffrey in the offense, um, especially just how much he overlaps with Debo's role to begin with, it's, it's hard to overcome. Um, you know, Debo at the end of, uh, the 2021 season when he was getting five to eight rush attempts a game, uh, a couple of those like near the goal line, that was peak Debo. Uh, but they just don't need that right now with McCaffrey in the mix. So um, especially just the c- targets that Ayuk and Kittle are going to command. There's too many mouths to feed uh, to be taking Debo this high, as exciting and talented as he is. I rather wait and get a guy like Ayuk uh, outside of the top 30. Speaking of Kittle, I'm, I'm interested into how you are kind of viewing his projection because mm. for four straight years, 
uh, prior to last year. So from 2018, which was his second year in the league, uh, to 2021, he averaged no less than five catches for 65 yards, uh, and his low in targets per game was 6.7. And last year, he was down to 5.7 targets per game, just four catches for 51 yards. So uh, dropped off a catch, a, a catch plus over his last four years, 15 yards per game, but he, he bailed himself out with 11 touchdowns and he had never really been a touchdown guy, but his yards per, uh, his targets per route, the last four years, 31% elite, 28% elite, 24% very good, just 18% last year, which is pretty average. So, you know, do you, uh-huh. he's he's another, I mean, people aren't really talking about it as much, but I feel like he's another guy that really got hurt with kind of the McCaffrey, um, mm. you know, McCaffrey signing and, and the fact that, you know, the last couple of years, Debo's, you know, even though he had he took a step back last year, Debo's also been more involved in the short to intermediate area. So, you know, Kittle's, you know, yards per route is, you know, 3.1, 2.8, 2.4, 1.7. Like all the underlying metrics are down and the touchdowns were the only thing that saved him. So like, do you see him bouncing back or are you, you know, expecting the, the touchdown regression to kind of make him a uh, kind of overvalued at, at the, as a top four tight end going, you know, in the first four rounds? Yeah, I think there, there's definitely some, you know, touchdown regression coming, but he's still, you know, one of arguably one of the top, tight ends in the game I think for him especially it comes down to who's starting how many games like if Trey Lance starts eight games this year and Purdy starts eight I think that's gonna hurt George Kittle the most um but he he had an up and down season but um where do you think he ranked at tight end in uh Brock Purdy's six starts last year bit of a trivia uh I want to I'm gonna say either one or two yeah tight end one Right. And Brock Purdy six starts. <laughs> I figured, so. no, that, that's the other side of the coin. That's what I was I was trying to tee you up for. Cause like it's like yeah. it's tough. Cause it's like he's been declining. He's gonna be 30, but he did play the best with Purdy, but it was also it was a lot of touchdowns. So it's like eesh, it's tough. It's I mean, tough. W- would you take him where he's going? I guess is my question. Yeah, because he's going tight end four. I think that's appropriate. I have him and Hawkinson pretty close. Mm-hmm. I think right now I would still lean Hawkinson. I think with Kittle, the downside is we might not get the full season of Brock Purdy. That's the downside. So yeah, uh, how if you know Lance has more than two games started, that's going to really start to eat into Kittle's production. So that's why I would still go Hawkinson right now. But you could get Kittle ten slots later. Um, so, you know, I, I'm okay with that, but he's probably the guy that's tied to Purdy the most, I think, in terms of, you know, projecting his value this season. Um, I agree. I, I don't, he, he, he was probably due for some positive touchdown regression, to be honest. I mean, he's too good not to score double digit touchdowns, but I don't think we can bank on him scoring double digit touchdowns again, but I think the targets, the catches, the yards will be there. Um, and with Purdy under center, the consistency, but he is rock solidly my tight end four as of now yeah i'm 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 gonna pass it more often than not i just mm-hmm. he still goes in the in you know wait uh wait in the fourth and i, I just i just do see some downside because you know the tar- no targets per route is, is a very sticky metric um and the fact that he's been on the decline for four straight well three straight years now and and you know it can make sense because like you got debo you got mccaffrey Ayuk is is breaking out um, you know, so you have pass, you know, like premier pass catchers or you know, above average to, to to great pass catchers at you know three other spots, in, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the lineup now. It's not like you know a few years ago it was like yeah, Kittle. Of course, he would be targeted thirty one percent of his routes because San Francisco wasn't really working with much else. So, mm-hmm. um, and and he's a great blocker, so it's like he can impact the game without necessarily putting up big numbers and you know obviously that also keeps him healthy as he enters his 30s so yeah i'm 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 out more often than i'm in on on kittle uh especially if you know the arizona cardinals get any better against tight ends you know he got four of his 11 touchdowns in the two games against the cardinals um (laughs) so like yeah there's there are some uh, i am i'm concerned i'm concerned like i just i I just don't know if he's he's definitely going to be a top six tight end I just don't know if he's worth, and I know he was like the number great with Purdy, but I just don't know if he's going to be worth like a top 
50-50 pick is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. tight end might just be Kelsey or or Andrews or Bust, or even just Kelsey or Bust. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I do I do like Ayuk at wide receiver third. I think he's solid there. Um, Christian McCaffrey is going uh, RB1 in a lot of drafts. Uh, about fifth, just under 15 carries a game uh, with the Niners. I mean, he's, I don't, you know, even him, he saw like a little bit of a downtick, I think, compared to like his heyday with Carolina in terms of the usage. He's just very efficient. Um, uh, do, are you taking McCaffrey or Eckler first yeah. overall or first at running yeah. back? I think it's, it's more of a coin flip than people think. Um, you know, Eckler, uh, we didn't talk about him too much on the other pod, but he, I don't think he had more than 20 carries in a game, but he's getting all the most valuable touches, you know, yep. getting the goal line carries, getting the passing work similar to McCaffrey. Um, so I, I would still lean McCaffrey now. I just think it's scary to think uh, McCaffrey's upside in one of the best running back schemes in the NFL, the 49ers, yeah. a full season of that. Like, again, I think he will, he will need Brock Purdy under center as well. If it's Trey Lance for like the first five games, that's going to really hurt McCaffrey because Lance is going to scramble more, not dump it off as much. But uh, I just love McCaffrey's upside in this offense. I think he's like almost exactly a year younger than Eckler. So right now I'm leaning McCaffrey, but it's very close. Eckler is right there. Yeah, I, I actually lean Eckler uh, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talked about this on the other pod. I think uh, the Chargers may run the most plays in the league. Uh, their pace, mm. they were already a fast-paced team, and, and Kellen Moore has been the fastest-paced coordinator um and Eckler what is it 38 touchdowns over the last two years yeah and uh, I actually think Eckler you know Eckler has a little bit less uh a little bit less uh tread on the tires I think overall uh, I know he's I think he's a year older but or maybe two but um yeah I, I lean Eckler you can't really go wrong with either of them but yeah uh, <laughs> you know sometimes Shanahan will just throw like Elijah Mitchell in there at random times instead of like it's I, with Eckler. It's like you said, he's just getting all the high value touches and he's, you know, the, he actually averaged about a catch and a half more than McCaffrey with the Niners last year, about, about a catch mm-hmm. more uh, than McCaffrey overall, but uh, even more at the Niners. So yeah, I, I lean Eckler, but no qualms about McCaffrey either. What do you think of Mitchell? He's RB 42. Uh, averaged about 10 carries per game on 35% of the snaps uh, with McCaffrey in the lineup, um, including the playoffs. Uh, do you think he kind of reprises that role and, and gets, you know, kind of pushes for double-digit touches when healthy? Yeah, you, you kind of alluded to it. You know, Kyle Shanahan does whatever he wants. So that Elijah Mitchell will benefit from that. And Mitchell could see enough usage, even when McCaffrey is healthy, to offer – RB3 flex value at times, you know, especially when there's heavy bye weeks. Um, and obviously he has RB2 plus upside if CMC misses any time. So, uh, you know, I think Mitchell is the type of backup running back who should probably be inside the top 40 uh, as a result. And the Niners, well, while we don't really know what's up with the QB situation, they still have a high win total. What is it like? they're gonna have plenty of positive game scripts and that's really where mitchell would thrive um so i think there could be some spots where you're sneaking mitchell in your lineup even when mccaffrey's uh healthy i think there's enough volume to go around in the running game so yeah he he has a ton of upside as well so i i, I do like him in that wide receiver or running back 45 range yeah, love him in redraft where I could just kind of hold him on my bench. Maybe yeah. McCaffrey misses any time. He might even become a good trade ship, at, you know, or, you know, sell to the McCaffrey owner. But best ball, it does worry me because he's missed eight, 18 of 34 uh, career games uh, with eight separate injuries. Eight, eight. Yeah. Not even any week, two years. Uh, but um, yeah. Uh, he plays through that. He played through like a separated shoulder. Yep. Like yep. Mitchell is a grinder. So even though he's been getting hurt, he plays through it more often than your typical running back. And he still missed half his games. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> that, that's yeah. kind of this. That's kind of the running back, th- this offense. You know, you're, you're kind of turning, taking a blind corner. You're trusting the blocks. You could take some pretty big hits. So running backs do take a little bit more of a beating in the scheme in general, just if, if yep. we want to be honest. So that that's kind of how all running backs have been in the scheme. But yeah, something to monitor for sure. Yeah, I'll probably have Jordan Mason on like a non-zero amount of best ball teams. Have to. <laughs> uh, yeah, so who do we like? Sleepers on the nine. Is anyone? 
Uh, I would just say Brock Purdy, assuming uh, it seems like as of now, he's on track to start week one. And, uh, you know, QB 29, that's going to be a steal. So it's kind of just getting ahead of potential good news with Brock Purdy. Yeah, I, I like Mitchell. Uh, I, I think uh, in, in redraft, though, best ball, I, I, I don't like to risk the missed games in best ball. Um, I, I, I know that you want upside when Mitchell does have it, but um, still, I think the, he's he's the durability has been such a question mark that I really don't see him playing a full complement. So, but love him in redraft. Uh, what about uh, overvalued guys or busts? Uh, Got to go with Trey Lance here. I think QB 26 is a bit too high. Uh, he needs a lot of things to go right for him to hit that. And plus, let's not forget, he's coming off um, some pretty significant lower leg injuries. Um, so who, who knows if he's going to be 100% by week one. So I think just based on current ADP, Lance is uh, my bust. Yeah, Lance. Uh, and I think Kittle, uh, I'm going to worry about Kittle. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think the touchdowns regress a little. And I'm not sure if the, if we get back to, you know, the five catch for 65 yard guy with McCaffrey and, and Debo and Ayuk here and, and a great defense. Um, and, you know, yeah. especially now on, you know, the other side of 30. So, uh, or, you know, entering his age 30 season, I should say. So, uh, yeah, Lance uh, and Kittle for me. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Seattle Seahawks next up, Geno Smith up to QB 12 in ADP uh, over the last couple of weeks. He got, of course, that three-year $75 million deal at 40 guaranteed and uh, was the QB five overall at seventh in points per game last year. And all they did was go out at a, a, a round one wide receiver, uh, a, a running back in round two that could catch the football. Uh, I, I do like Geno's rushing ability, you know, 21 and a half yards per game. So um, oh, and he doesn't face a top 10. I, well, he doesn't face a defense that ranked in the top 10 in DVOA against the pass until week 12. Wow. So I, I, I like, Gino. I mean, quarterback 12 now, I mean, that's about, you can't really go much <laughs> higher, but um, I do like, I, I am optimistic about Gino. Uh, what about you? Yeah. Who would have thought that we'd be talking about Gino Smith as like a QB one. Uh, crazy times, but he he was one of the biggest surprises of last year, obviously. And another guy who honestly, the, the time to invest in him was last year. I think, like you alluded to, right now you're kind of taking him uh, at market value right now. It's, it's a fair price. Uh, but I, I do love the fact that they added a third wide receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba, yep. uh, the first wide receiver drafted this year, and I would say the best wide receiver prospect. So um, I, I think Gino is a high end QB two pushing QB one upside. Like you said, he still has some decent rushing upside at this point in his career. So um, I, I don't think he's going to drop off. I think what we saw last year will continue this year. So yeah, I think he's uh, priced appropriately. He's not a guy I'm going out of my way to get, uh, but certainly you'll want to make some Seahawks stacks because uh, with Metcalf Lockett and now Jackson Smith Jigba there, uh, there's too much potential in this offense to just completely fade them. So I, I think it's a fair price for him right now. 
Yeah, great, great best ball team because you could oh, definitely yeah. you Gino is you know a QB twelve to, to fourteen is still easily uh, draftable, mm. and you can still get Metcalf and then Rocket. Uh, excuse me, Lockett a couple rounds later, and then Smith and the Jigba a couple rounds after him. Hey, you can even you can even top it off with Noah Fant and and hope he balls out against the Cardinals again. Uh, a times. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, just they they've been doing great things in Seattle. I got, you know, a lot of people kind of give, um, you know, kind of, kind of stun on Pete Carroll and act like he's like old school, but Seattle's really low key been, especially after we saw what happened to Russ when he left, like Seattle's been doing a lot of smart things, um, especially in offense and to be able to kind of turn it around and, and get to a point where they could be one of the top offenses in the league, I think is, is pretty impressive. Uh, what do you think about, so how, like, how are you treating these receivers? So you got Metcalf at, at 15, uh, Lockett's at 28, and then Smith Jigba is at 37. Yeah, so I think Metcalf clearly, you know, the best one. Um, we pretty much know what we're getting from him at this point. He's he's still only 25 years old, so he might not have even peaked yet. But the, the reason why, uh, you know, Gino is so good for him is Gino uh, was had the fifth highest catchable rate on passes uh, 20 plus yards downfield first on on target uh passes so that's that's great for Metcalf you know who's more of a downfield threat um I think Jackson Smith and Juba could eat into his target share some but you know not enough to really overly concern me he might even help draw some attention away so I think Metcalf is fairly priced there I think Lockett as always is probably hmm. a little bit undervalued at wide receiver I remember 30. saying that last year like everybody's sleeping on Lockett I think he was going outside the, the top 30 at one point uh, yeah well last year. I think because last year we were projecting Drew Locke to start yep, a handful yep, of games, yep. <laughs> and we didn't know Gino was going to be this good. So, uh, but Locke, I think he's outperformed ADP every season. It seems like so pretty much. Uh, wide receiver thirty does seem uh, too cheap. So I, I think he's probably the best value. And while I love Jackson Smith Jigba as, as a prospect, I mean he's going to be the number three target at best. So it's it's hard to get behind him at wide receiver thirty seven. Um, this reminds me of when CD Lamb went to. Dallas, to be honest, where, um, you know, arguably the top wide receiver going to a team that already had two good ones. So I think in the long run, like maybe next year or two years, I think Jackson Smith Jigba will be, you know, a top 20 type receiver. Um, but he, he's more of like a wide receiver two kind of guy anyway. He reminds me of like good Robert Woods on the Rams. Like that's his upside is that type of receiver. He could also develop like not as likely, but uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, like that type of player, mm-hmm. that's his ultimate upside, obviously. But with, you know, Metcalf and Lockett still healthy, I don't see how he commands enough targets to be like a consistent wide receiver three. So he's the guy that might be a little bit overpriced just based on, you know, his hype. But uh, I, I think Lockett right now is the best value. Yeah, I think he probably has one one or two more years of mm-hmm. beating his ADP. He's been the wide receiver 16 or better every season since 2018 uh, although he was used a little bit more you know uh underneath last year his a dot went from 15 and a half to uh, two years ago to 11 and a half last year uh, and his yards per route went from 2.4 to 1.9 but that said he still outperformed dk metcalf in in, in both in ppr and half ppr so uh you know was a, was a top 15 receiver yet again. So yeah, I agree. I, I mean, there probably shouldn't be a 13 uh, mm-hmm. slot gap or a couple of round gap between Metcalf and Lockett yet, you know, you know, he is 31. So like I said, you know, maybe next year, maybe the year after, because uh, yeah. you do have some talent there entering their primes and Metcalf and, and Jackson. But um, yeah, I think Lockett probably has one, one at least this year, should still be a, a decent value, at least hit the ADP. Like yeah. I don't see him falling too far outside the top 30 or anything like that. Uh, no offense. He averaged 71 yards, five and a half catches for 71 yards in two games against Arizona, against everyone else, <laughs> two, and a, two and a half catches for 23 yards. So uh, yeah, tight end 27. I mean, if, if Smith and Jigba hurts anyone's value right off the bat, it's probably going to be Fant because yep. um Again, he's just not really a factor outside of the Cardinals. So, yeah, not don't really have, like him. What do you think of – so Kenneth Walker is going RB13 now. Like I said, I, I think right when you start hitting, like even Josh Jacobs is a little – starting to get a little – feel a little frozen pondy 
Uh, Walker's RB13. He was very strong after contact last year, which is good to see. He was, you know, in the top uh, uh, 75th percentile and uh, very reliable as well. No fumbles and just one, no fumbles on 255 touches and just one drop uh, on 34 targets. So he didn't make many mistakes, uh, but they do have Charbonnet now out of UCLA, they, another second rounder. Uh, so how are you projecting? How many touches, I guess, are you projecting Walker oh. game? Well, I'm still kind of filling with my projections, um, but I love the talent. Uh, hate the ADP right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I think RB12 mm-hmm. is a bit high. Um, we saw the upside last year, you know, week six through 10 when he was a full-time starter uh, after Penny went down, he was the RB1 over that mm-hmm. five-game stretch. So he has massive upside, but bringing in a back like Charbonnet, uh, you know, great second-round pick out of UCLA. Um, I think that's going to eat in his workload a bit, uh, specifically the receiving usage. But uh, I think maybe even goal line usage. If you look at Kenneth Walker last year, he had 10, 10 attempts inside the five last year, only scored two rushing touchdowns. Um, that's a minus 2.1 in expected touchdowns on those rush attempts, third worst last year. That could either mean one of two things, that he's due for some positive touchdown regression or – might get replaced as a goal line back. And I think Charbonnet, he's a better fit near the goal line. Um, you know, he, he's a little bit more of a power back than Walker. Kind of gives me like Nick Chubb vibes. Um, so I, I think he's probably going to be better equipped to handle goal line carries. Plus, Walker's more of a home run hitter. If, if you look at next-gen stats, um, they have this measure that kind of measures if a running back's a north or south runner. And uh, Walker's sixth lowest on that metric. So he's, you know trying to hit home runs, running to the edge, um, and spent the second most time behind the line of scrimmage. So goal line carries maybe just aren't his thing. So I think that Charbonnet could eat into the goal line work and the receiving work, really lowering, uh, you know, Walker's ceiling. So I think RB12, like you said, this might be where the frozen pond kind of starts. Even though he's an elite talent, uh, there there is some sneaky downside there. Yeah, I, I was actually. I'm. We got to get some side action going. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly how though, because I'm. I would bet that Walker does not see the goal line work. I. I feel like we always you mean, have these you arguments. Mean yeah. No. Like I. I would. I'm betting Walker keeps it. Like I. Yeah. I feel yeah. like every year we have these debates on not just you and I, but like you know just the whole industry. I know Friedman and I have had some debate, but like every time somebody like says like a rookie's gonna come in and steal cat like goal line carries from like a very good back. Like I remember when it was like, oh, AJ Dillon's gonna get goal line carries from Aaron Jones. Like, <laughs> nah, nah. I think I think Kenneth, like Kenneth Walker's like very, very good. Like I, I don't think like I, I think this Seahawks are just wisening up because the run game is a very important part of of you know maximizing Geno Smith. You know, they're trying to put all the pieces around him. They got another receiver for him. They didn't really need to. I mean, you have two of the best receivers in the game. You didn't really need to get a, a second round pick on another running back, but that's what they're kind of doing. I still think Walker's going to be a big part uh, of the offense. And I mean, he still runs very hard, uh, can still break tackles and still gets a lot after contact. So I'm, I'm, I bet he keeps goal line work. I think Charbonnet is ideally for them. You know, they, they were playing uh, Homer and DJ Dallas a lot on passing downs over the past couple of years. Uh, I think that's where he kind of starts out. Um, but I, I do, st- I still think Walker gets probably like 14, 15, uh, 16 carries a game. But like you said, yeah, not, not much, not many catches, like probably just maybe one. I, I, he'd be lucky to get average two a game at 1.8 last year. But um, yeah, I, I, I do see some downside here, but I, I do think he'll keep his, uh, his goal line wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying like, I always think in terms of percentages, there's a better percentage chance that, Charbonnet is going to eat into Walker's goal line work, then Chase Brown eat into Joe Mixon's goal line work. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Let I me love, just put it I love way. me some Joe Mixon. <laughs> so let me just put it that way. Like, I'm not saying Walker's going to lose that, but there are some concerning things there. And Charbonnet is a great prospect. Yeah, like, yeah. that's kind of the other side of the coin. And he, he does profile as a better power back. So I wouldn't be shocked if he eats into that. But I, I'm not taking you up on, like, a median bet. Okay. Uh, but we, we got to find <laughs> something. Yeah, we got to find something where both running backs have to be healthy. Yeah, um, give yeah, me like obviously. a spread on touch. We just make it specifically inside the five carries. We could do something like yep, that. Yep, we'll yep. think of something, um, and then I, I could find some value there. But uh, yeah, I think Walker, like I said, obviously a ton of upside. 
but taking him as a low end RB one right now is a bit much. But there's a lot of guys in that range. Obviously. Yeah, Frozen Pondy. Because I got, oh, I, 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 I I'll, tell you this. I'll tell you this much. I'll take Walker <laughs> over Brees Hall. I'll take Walker right, over Brees Hall all day. The funny thing is, is these backs are really good. If you think back at the Frozen Pond like a few years ago, it was like Mike Davis. Oh, man, who was the other guy? But just some like really bad running backs. Whereas, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Like guys that were like out, like they weren't even starting for their team. But yeah, like, it was like Mike Davis, guys like that. Mike so Davis, the uh, fact that it's like Kenneth Walker, Josh Jacobs, it has nothing to do with talent. It's just kind of the situation surrounding it. Um, but just running backs are a fragile position to begin with. So um, I would just be careful with them. But yeah, again, but he's good. Like he's actually he's, he's very fucking good. Yeah. So yeah, like that's that's why I'm not like like out of all those guys like him like I like Mixon because I just think he's gonna do what he normally does. Yeah. Uh, but like, I'm not like super worried about Walker. Just I don't, I don't necessarily think he's worth the RB 13 pick in terms of his like ADP and like whatever. What is it? The I, sec, early third round is it? Um, yeah, yeah. Second early third. That's a little stretch. But like, I'm I'm not like worried about him completely like belly upping or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And I think to be fair, he is one of the backs in that range who actually has injury upside if his backup were to go down. Word. Whereas like if Josh Jacobs, if Zamir White goes down, it's not like Josh Jacobs becomes a top three back. He's priced at his max usage. So Walker has top five upside if Charbonnet goes down and there's not that many guys in this range. That's kind of how Nick Chubb has been over the years. If Kareem Hunt misses time, maybe he's a top five back. So Walker does have some injury upside, whereas a lot of backs in this range don't. I think, you know what I think this could like best case scenario, but this could kind of be like, this could kind of be like another Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon type thing. Yeah. Like where, it, cause you know, like every year it's like, oh man, Aaron Jones, everyone's like worried about him. And then he just still like finishes as like a top 15 running back and, and balls out. Um, yeah, like I, I could see like Walker being the Aaron Jones and Charbonnet being the Dylan and f- still finishing like you know like mid to, to low thirties. So um, yeah, I, I don't mind either of these backs. We know the Seahawks are always gonna um, have the running game as a major focal point, even with even with Geno playing well. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, who do we like? Sleepers. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, I gotta go him too. I was initially I initially was gonna say everyone's pretty fairly valued, but yeah, Lockett's the fact that he's going a couple of rounds after Metcalf, um, I, I think that I think he's gonna beat that ADP. Again, he's been wide receiver 16 or better each, uh since uh 2018. Uh what about overvalued guys or busts? Uh sticking with Kenneth Walker. Again, love the talent. <laughs> I would love to get him like RB 16. The market's pretty sharp, but um, I, I just think there's some sneaky downside there. Now, if Charbonnet misses time, Walker's potentially a top five back. So there's there's still some upside there. But I just think the Seahawks, oh, I guess Jackson Smith and Jigba too, yeah. to an extent. Uh, him and Walker are, are priced closer to their uh, ceiling in my projections, but still love Walker as a talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's Smith and Jigba. I love him as a talent, but I think he might be a year away from uh, yeah. like a, a you know, a, every week starter and which is mm-hmm. kind of what he's being drafted as you know having three guys in the top 36 in this offense still seems like a little bit uh of a stretch and, and locking in and Metcalf aren't going anywhere all right uh let's go to the Rams the Rams uh you got Stafford coming back he's at QB 20 you got Michael LaFleur uh reuniting with McVeigh uh, Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator left, but this is McVay's offense. Um, but I think the the interesting thing here is just, you know, this defense lost so many uh, pieces when it's Galen Ramsey, it's Floyd. And I mean, like half yeah. of their defense, right? More than half actually of their defense, uh, you know, of their safeties. So I think this defense could struggle more than it ever has in the McVay era. Uh, and so that could make this pass offense sneaky, sneaky good again. You know, if Sta- obviously Stafford has to remain healthy, but uh, it could be a lot closer to to 2021 in terms of the numbers than 2022. I think just because I, I don't think the defense is going to be very good. But uh, what do you think about Stafford and, and, and Cup as well? He's going to wide receiver four. You know, what, yeah. do, what do you think of that connection this year? Yeah, I think it, it could be a. Sneaky time to buy low on both because, you know, Stafford dealt with multiple injuries last year, but none are really expected to have an impact on him in, in 2023. So he could bounce back with a great season. 
Uh, like you said, the defense could be very shaky. They could be forced to throw even more um, this year. So, yeah, I, I like Stafford Cup stacks right now. I'd much rather have Stafford over like a Derek Carr or even Jordan Love, I would say, in this range. Yep, yep. Just because I think that he has, a ton, he has a ton of upside still. And um, there, there's no reason to think that he's all of a sudden become injury prone. He's been a tough player. He's played through a ton of pain in his career. So um, I, I like him in this QB 20 range. Yeah, he's uh, a year removed from averaging 287 passing yards a game and throwing 41 touchdowns. So, like, uh, just like I don't know if the touchdowns, you know, that's obviously a a big number, but I think he could get back to in the 280, 290 range just because the mm-hmm. defense will be bad and, and Cup should be healthy again. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I love Stafford in terms of, I mean, as much as you can love a pocket passer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, like, do I see a big difference? Like Matthew Stafford. If he's like, I think he will on a per game basis. I am, I am almost sure that he will outscore Aaron Rodgers on a per game basis. Um, There's a side bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm taking the Rodgers side. Really? So. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. Like, like I don't, I don't think Rodgers is throwing for like any, like in the mid, like you know, anything no, above they, 270 anymore. They have, they have a much better defense too. Exactly. That's that's really the key. Like this, yeah. if like I can't even begin to list all the names that they that the Rams lost, but I mean it is everyone but Aaron <laughs> Donald essentially uh is uh, going from this defense. It, it's it's not looking great. And then they, they just were really cap strapped, so they couldn't really replace those guys mm. with with anyone. So they were gonna rely on a lot of young guys, a lot of you know, special teamers, and just yeah, I think the defense is gonna be the worst that's been. Uh what do you think of the other Pass catchers, you got Van Jefferson going wide receiver 73, Puka Nakua at 96, the rookie, uh, and uh, they signed Demarcus Robinson. I just read a quote today from McVay saying Tutu Atwell will have a role in the pass offense this year. Um, so, you know, any – any and Tyra Higby is still here. He's tight in 17. Yeah. He might actually be somewhat of value, but any, any love for any of these other pass catchers uh, beyond Cup? I think Van Jefferson definitely sticks out in the uh, what's his current AP like wide receiver 75, 73. Yeah. 73. I think that's a good range to take him because uh, last year was kind of a lost season. You know, he missed the first six games. Um, didn't really become a full-time player. It wasn't able to be a full-time player until week uh, 11. And that's when Matthew Stafford was shut down. So it was like a lost season for Van Jefferson. Uh, but this, this year he should be the number two uh, receiver should be a full-time starter, obviously. So he could be the number two or number three target, um, depending on Tyler Higby uh, as a result. So if the Rams are throwing more, Matthew Stafford has the bounce back season. I think Jefferson could hit at wide receiver 77, I think, or 73. I think he's the safest bet uh, out of Puka Nakua, Kua, uh, Tutu Atwell, Ben Skoranek. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, sheesh. Uh, there's a lot of guys that can <laughs> yeah. step up for the number three role, but I think Jefferson has inside track for the number two role. Um, so that's that's why I like him the most out of all of them. Uh, outside of the top seventy, I think that's crazy value. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially in best ball because he is kind of more of the low percentage route runner compared mm-hmm. to you know Cup is obviously the high percentage guy. Um, I, I actually think Higby has a good shot at beating oh, yeah. him too. <laughs> you know, he finished a fifth in uh, targets per game for tight ends at 6.9. But uh, in the games with Stafford played, he actually a- averaged even more. He was around, you know, seven and a half, eight. So, uh, you know, this year Stafford can stay healthy. And with the defense bad, I think Higby can get a lot of cheap catches. He might average five catches a game. It won't, won't be for much yards. It'll probably be in, you know, still 45, 50 yards. But that, that, should st- that could still be good enough for like a top eight tight end finish with uh with decent touchdown look. So uh I'm I'm fine with buying Tyler Higby here. Uh still not a ton behind him. Uh, I know they got Hopkins and, and Hunter Long, but um yeah I, I think I think Higby's a good bet for more targets than almost you know any other tight end outside of the elite guys. Yeah I feel like we're always higher on Tyler Higby. Just Hig when beast. you look at Hig Beast, when you just look at his underlying metrics, they're always really good. It's uh he's you could argue he's a low end tight end one heading into the season. So love his ADP. Um, you know, he runs a route around 70, 75% of the time. Most weeks he had a 24% target per route run rate. 
Um, plus, kind of what I was saying, the number three receiver slot in this offense just keeps getting worse. Yeah, the number two as well. Uh, no more Robert Woods or no Beckham type. So Higby really could be the number two target going forward. So love getting Higby, Dulcich, or Kincaid um, yep. in that tight end 13 to tight end 21 range. Uh, I think that's th- those are the three guys I'm having the most exposure to. But yeah, just love Higby's upside uh, in this range. Yeah, and remember Higby last year because the O line was so decimated. There was a stretch in there mm. when I I think you and I were both kind of scratching our heads. <laughs> yeah. He was like staying in to block a lot more than he yeah. had been. But uh, yeah, he should be back to just you know I think that his best role is just like gobbling up a lot of underneath targets anytime mm-hmm. anytime uh, Stafford can't get it to cup and that shouldn't change because Jefferson's a a guy that's gonna go intermediate to deep and uh Atwell has kind of been that as well and you know all these other guys you don't really like it's kind of Higby's role like they don't really throw to the back a lot so yeah yeah a lot um speaking of the back Cam Akers is up to RB 21 so the cat's kind of out of the bag um you know back is it you think he's back to his pre-injury form you think that's what it was it just took him like that extra year and a half to, to get back? Or do you think it was just like a bunch of easy run defenses that kind of explain the explosion uh, over the last six weeks, he averaged 85 uh, rushing yards, 16, just over 16 receiving yards. So over hundred scrimmage yards from weeks 13 to 18. Yeah, no, I think it is definitely health related. Um, I mean, he came back the same season. He tore his Achilles, right? And we were kind of bagging on him. Uh, he had a low yards per attempt. I was bagging on him. Um, but you know, towards the end of last year, much to my chagrin, uh, he was the lead back and he had such a bizarre season where they, uh, would they benched him, Mm -hmm. you know, he got leapfrogged by Daryl Henderson. Then he was on the trade block. Then he came back and they just treat him like a workhorse back. And he was the RB four over the final six games of the season. So, uh, I see no reason to believe he won't be starting back week one this year. So, um, you know, unfortunately the Rams might be involved in more negative game scripts than usual, just due to their shitty defense. And you kind of alluded to it, Stafford, the Rams offense doesn't really throw to the backs as much. So that's, that's where acres upside is pretty limited is just, he's not going to post that many uh, receiving stats. So RB 21 seems a bit high now. Uh, I was getting him, you know, right around the RB 25 range, but RB 21, he's kind of sitting atop, a tier of running back so that that's probably a bit high for me plus just again with McVay how he handled the running back room last year was pretty volatile that could happen again this year so there's always that underlying risk um so I think I want some shares of acres but I'm not going all in RB21 I think that's a bit high right now yeah like I I think he's fairly priced now you know he definitely yeah. has some <laughs> upside and you know the Ram you know McVay is a, a good coach maybe they, they figured out how to make it work Stafford's back and and things are kind of you know they're just kind of like that that more like that eight nine ten win team that they've that mediocre mm-hmm. Jared Goff team before the Super Bowl instead of like what we think which is what their win totals I think six and a half which yeah I mean their defense is bad enough to warrant that so yeah there's there's definitely downside because he he topped out at three targets even even during that crazy stretch uh over the last few weeks of the season still never got more than three targets he did see an uptick over the last four weeks with you know at least two targets in each of the last four games which is you know for him something big but uh still not not quite enough to mm-hmm. offset the i think the the game script variance to make him a slam dunk or anything like that uh any any thoughts on any like the the, the handcuff i, I know you Oof. mentioned zach evans earlier in the offseason now uh, looks like i don't know What's going on? Because Kyron's still there. Zach Evans, the rookie, sixth rounder. But they also just recently signed Sony Michelle, which probably is not a great sign for either no. of the other two guys. <laughs> no, yeah. Michelle coming in makes it very tricky. Uh, I did like Evans, um, you know, entering the draft. He he fell to the sixth round. Uh, he was actually the top running back recruit in the 2020 class, I think, over Bijan Robinson even. So, he has a ton of talent, but he just never, for whatever reason, he never became a workhorse back in college. So he has a ton of talent, but just the production hasn't been there. So maybe the Rams didn't like what they saw so far. So they brought in Sonny Michelle. So, uh, you know, Evans is probably way too high in the RB 60 range. Cause it yeah. looks like it could be either Michelle 
or Evans. Kyron is still just more of a pass catching back. I don't think he has the upside to be a workhorse back. So it's between Evans and Michelle and Evans is probably too expensive right now. So this is a wait and see thing, but I think it's going to be a battle between those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I think Evans, you know, I, you always like to kind of take flyers on rookie backs, but that, yeah, the Michelle signing too is kind expensive of expensive there. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the writing's on the wall. Um, and then Kyron Williams, you know, struggled as a pass blocker, which that Michelle can help in that area. You know, his Michelle mm -hmm. uh, Williams, excuse me, his pass blocking grade at PFF was 26. That was 87th of 90 running backs with at least 15 pass blocking snaps. So that could be another reason they got Michelle. Kyrie Williams may end up just being like a, like a Jake Funk, like a special team. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Uh, Xavier Jones. What's uh, Pre there's season preseason hero. Coming right, up. right, right. Oh, there was one more guy. Who was that? There's one more guy the Rams had like that. Um, oh, I think he used to be on the Texans too. It was like, who was recently, that? recent? Yeah, like it was like Jake Funk, and it was Xavier Jones, and it was like one more guy. Ah, whatever. I can't think of him, but yeah, um, the Rams have those like those kind of guys. Is Sony Michelle taking the Malcolm Brown role? Is that what's going on? He 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 might. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely might. He definitely yep. might. Um. But yeah, I mean, or you could just get cut again. <laughs> Who knows? Right. <laughs> but uh, either way, yeah, not not a great sign for Evans. Not a great sign for Williams. Nope. So, yeah. Um. All right. Uh. To recap, who do we like? Any sweepers? Uh. Undervalued guys on the Rams. Um. Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby. Obviously, I think those two guys are offering pretty decent value, and you get them cheap. But uh, either one of those guys can be the number two or number three target. And what should be a pretty pass heavy offense. So I think both those guys are my sleepers. Yeah, I like I like Stafford. I think he hit the nail on the head. You know, he's probably got a lot more upside than some of those other pocket passes in that in that QB 20 range and, and Higby as well. You know, not often you can get a tight end that finished top five in targets per game as as pretty much an afterthought. Uh so like both of those. Uh, what about for overvalued guys or busts? Um, not many over value guys in this offense. I'd say Cam Akers. Um, just his recent ADP is probably a bit high. But, uh, you know, like I said, he was running back four over the final six weeks last year. So he, he could pick up where he, where he left off. But this running back room with Sean McVay, that, you know, there could be some uh, volatility there. So he he's kind of in the frozen pond. But again, um, if he picks up where he left off last year, he would be a steal here. But uh, I'll go with Cam Akers. I mean, for me, I'm going to go uh, Evans and Zach Evans and Kyron Williams. Uh, I think both of those, I, I just think if mm. Cam Akers went down, I think there would be a committee. I think they might even yeah. sign a free agent or they may just let Michelle go at it again. Remember he, they let him carry the ball. What was it, like 20 times a game at one point uh, when he, the last time he was there. So um, yeah, not, not, not really feeling the backups uh, to Akers for the Rams. And finally, let's wrap it up with the Arizona Cardinals. They have the league's lowest <laughs> win total at four and a half. Kyler Murray, uh, you know, recovering from the ACL injury. Um, you know, so we don't know when, probably sometime around midseason. And uh, the bye is in week 14, so Kyler probably won't miss the bye, which also kind of sucks in terms of uh. draft value. He's, he's going to be 23 right now, but – I don't, it's kind of, you know, I don't, it, there's so much uncertainty here and we don't know how he's like, is he going to scramble as much or run as much, you know, in, in his first few games back, who knows? There's also new coaching staff, uh, Jonathan Gannon's the head coach, Drew Petzing is the offensive coordinator. He was with Stefanski um, in uh, Cleveland these last few, in Minnesota and in Cleveland these last few years, but um yeah, what are your thoughts on this on this Cardinal offense? No DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. Yeah, as well. I mean, it's a disaster. It's 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 really hard to project Murray because he could miss the first six games or so. And let's say the Cardinals are 0-6. Are are they really gonna force yeah, Murray exactly. into action? And you know, they could end up with the first pick next year, uh, if if they do end up with the worst record. And you know, USC's Caleb Williams will be sitting there. Do they take him? Like, there's a lot of uncertainty here. Um, I am not taking Murray at QB 23 just because of the massive downside. Uh, just not sure when he'll return or if they will force him return. Like you said, even when he does return, is he going to scramble? It remains to be seen. So uh, I'm passing on Murray at his ADP. No clue who's going to start. I mean, 
Colt McCoy might be the week one starter. It might be Clayton Toon. Yep. For all we know, uh, they haven't brought anybody in like a Carson Wentz or something like that. I don't know if it makes sense because maybe they are trying to tank this year. So this situation is a mess. I'm just kind of fading all quarterbacks here. Yeah, and Kyra was, you know, he was pretty – he was struggling even last year before the injury. Uh, Mm -hmm. Probably, I would say, his worst season. So, uh, yeah, I'm concerned. I I don't think it's worth it stashing him um i just i'd rather get the upside of having a guy play all the games and don't really want to stash a quarterback with an extra roster spot maybe if you have an ir slot maybe but um Mm. yeah not not too interested in him uh in this offense he was down to 6.1 yards in attempt last year i mean that is Mm. that is not not good Uh, right uh (laughs) marcus brown could be interesting he's going wide for 35 um in the eight games without hopkins he averaged uh nine and a half targets per game uh over six about six and a half catches per game compared to four about just under uh, four and a half with hopkins in the lineup and 69 about 70 yards uh without hopkins in the eight games versus just 40 uh with hopkins so i mean this could this is your number one receiver and uh you could get you know four or five catches for you know 60 plus yards a game from from brown so i like him actually wide receiver 35 because bad team they're gonna have to throw yeah uh, the quarterback will suck so i don't know the <laughs> touchdowns probably won't be there but uh you should you should be a good bet for catches and yards so i think it's probably a little little a uh, little value there yeah you hit the nail on the head just uh with hopkins gone he has a ton of upside we don't know who the quarterback will be uh, but just if they're a dumpster fire, they're going to have to throw a lot more. So the target should be there. Uh, he has a ton of upside. Wide receiver 35 is a steal. Um, I, I have him inside my top 30, even factoring in all these like horrible variables. So I, I love getting uh, Marquise Brown this late. Uh, what about Ronda Moore? He's going wide receiver 59. He did have six or more catches uh, and 49 or more yards and five of his eight well, really five of his seven healthy games, five of eight games overall. Um, and his average up to target went from one to five last year. So there's that. Uh, but uh, uh, Moving any, on inter- up. any interest in, uh, in Ronda or do you think he's too much of a gadget guy to be, uh, to be trusted? Yeah. He, I love Ron Elmore. He's like, he's exciting, good real life player, but yeah, too much of a gadget player. He he does require a ton of volume or, or to become fancy relevant. Plus, he might be hurt just with more potential two tight, two tight end sets. You know, this could be more of the Browns scheme. They do have two great tight ends there, Trey McBride and Zach Hurt. So that could, you know, limit the amount of uh, snaps that Rondell could even see. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a guy you're lining up outside. So I, I just don't like him um, in this, you know, improve, you know, new offense. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that does require a ton of volume. So I'm, I'm not interested at wide receiver 59. I think there's like a handful of guys I'd rather have uh, than more in this range. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they drafted Michael Wilson out of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think he can uh, get a starting role this year or you think that's like a year away? Um, he could, because again, if this is just a lost season, you might as well see what he's got and get him some run. Uh, you know, we kind of know who Zach Pascal is, although he has some ties to Gannon from Philly. So maybe. Mm-hmm. Pascal ends up being the three receiver. Um, Greg Dorch is still there. So he's Wilson's going to have some competition. Uh, plus this offense probably can't support, support more than two pass catchers anyway. So Wilson's not a guy I'm interested uh, in fantasy, but um, I wouldn't be shocked if they do let him just get some run out of the gate because it is a lost season, but he's pretty talented, you know, third rounder out of Stanford. He's more of a possession receiver. So uh, again, one of those guys that could be hurt uh, with them running more two tight end sets. But um, I think for me, it's Marquise Brown or bust with these yeah, receivers. I'm not Brown. really touching anybody else right now. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause Brown could be a target hog. I mean, yeah. Like, again, the quarterback is, but um, yeah. And, and Pascal, you know, you mentioned it. He does have ties to Gannon and uh, he's going to complicate things for Rondell Moore, Greg Dorch, all these guys, because mm-hmm. he got a two year, you know, four and a half million dollar deal with a one and a half mil guaranteed. You know, Greg Dorch has zero guaranteed and, and got like signed for the minimum. So like yeah. Pascal is clearly ahead of Dorch, who's Dorch is kind of redundant with more a little bit uh, more of a special teamer. 
Uh, so yeah, you know, Dorch wouldn't draft him. Wilson's probably a year away. Uh, we mentioned the two tight ends. Uh, McBride's going 22, Ertz 30. Ertz had surgery in, in late November on the ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wasn't too impressed with McBride either. I mean, just targeted on just 12% of his routes and averaged under uh, a yard per route, just 0.8 yards per route run. So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know what, what, I don't know what to do with either of these guys, really. They're probably just going to cancel each other out. But uh, I'm not do – you, do you like McBride if, if, like, let's say Ertz misses the first six weeks – at all or no yeah no i think if Ertz misses the first six weeks I, I would be much more interested in mcbride at you know low 20s um and mcbride you know he was i think he was the top uh tight end prospect in last year's draft um and we kind of have to for, he was pretty bad last year not gonna yeah. lie but we kind of have to forgive rookie tight ends you know it is the hardest position uh for players to you know transition to the NFL and he did flash towards the end of the season. He had that seven catch 78 yard touchdown mm-hmm. game against Falcons late in the season. So there, there was at least some silver lining and he did. I thought of him as like a Dallas Goddard coming out of college. So I'm not writing him off. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, the tight end 22 range makes sense. I'd much rather have a Sam Laporta right now. Cause he doesn't really have competition. I mean, when hurts, when Ertz comes back, you know, McBride's going to be splitting snaps, but um, you know, I think McBride could break out, but the market's already into that at yeah, tight end 22 uh, range. Yeah. So that's the problem. The market's too sharp on this one. But if, if Ertz is like officially on the pup list or he's going to miss, you know, six or more games, then I'd be much more interested in McBride here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Er, I mean, yeah, Ertz, I mean, let's see, we'll see if he can get back for week one. If so, he'd be the, the, the better value of yeah. those two. Uh, what about in the backfield as of now, still no other free agent signings. So it's, it's James Connor and it's, uh, it's Keontae Ingram Connor's down to RB 29. So it feels like, you know, I know the game script's probably not going to be there and, you know, just looking at the, you know, the potential tank and the potential to maybe sign somebody, but, uh, Connor seems like a value at 29. If the, even, even with all those things yeah. uh, being said. Yeah, he's pretty cheap for a potential workhorse, right? And, yep. uh, you know, he's 28, so maybe he has one more solid season, but, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he starts to decline pretty quick here. Uh, but, you know, the Cardinals should be trailing a lot, so, you know, Connor, he's more than capable to rack up catches, uh, could see, you know, a ton of catches. He's game script proof, really, so I still like him. And, um, you know, Drew Petzing's coming over from the Browns. I could see this being uh, Nick Chubb type role for Connor with uh Ingram being the Kareem Hunt role so I actually do like Kareem Hunt way down in uh RB80 range because I don't Ingram know or, Ingram or, or Hunt Keontae, Keontae Ingram. Ingram okay yeah yeah sorry I'm comparing him to Kareem Hunt right now that's <laughs> they could I, sign him I mean that, that would... I, I don't know why they would again I think the, yeah I mean they're, they're trying to take him, tanking yeah. here so I think that just Keontae Ingram he reminded me of Kareem Hunt at USC he could kind of play that role even when Connor's healthy um, siphon some receiving uh, usage away. So I like Cre- uh, Keontae Ingram outside of the top 80 right now. I think he's one of the better handcuffs in the league right now because he he could see some snaps uh, even when Connor's healthy. So I, I think both running backs, ironically as it is that this team's going to be a dumpster fire, I think both running backs are actually worth investing in because both can, you know, contribute in the passing game. Absolutely. Yeah. I love them. I love, uh, Love Connor and uh, and Marquise Brown as well. Those, those are my yeah. two guys. Uh, what about you? Um, yeah, Marquise Brown, James Connor, and Keontae Ingram. I think those are the three players I'm investing the most from the cards. Overvalue guys or busts. Rondell Moore, just that way too high. Uh, just based on the shit show and the the new system, I don't think it's going to be a good fit for him. I think he's being overdrafted. Uh, yeah, for me, it's I mean Kyler. I'm not interested in mm-hmm. uh, at that price. I just it's just. I don't want to stash him. I don't want to like, he wasn't good last year. He lost his top receiver. Uh, There's even a slight chance. He might not play all year if they're really bad. Uh, And uh, Trey McBride, I I don't, I don't think he should be going tight end to it. I just don't think he showed enough, uh, especially Mm -hmm. with Ertz. Ertz is going to come back at some point, you know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, and it's not like, you know, this is not a team that you expect a lot of passing touchdowns from anyway, especially early when Ertz could be out. So 
I yeah. don't really see a path for McBride hitting that, you know, top 24 tight end ADP and, and Greg Dorch as well. He's still going inside the top hundred. Like again, you know, Pascal <laughs> is getting like guaranteed money and Dorch is not. So Dorch could, you know, be back just on special teams. This is a whole new regime. Um, yep. So, uh, and they, you know, they drafted a receiver. They have, they got no guaranteed money for Dorch. So, and they signed Pascal. So yeah, I'm out, I'm out on him as well. I don't think he should be getting drafted at all. Uh, all right. That over, the- over, under four and a half wins real quick. <laughs> four and a half wins. I'm going to go under. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like you never <laughs> like to do it with those, but no. I, I can't believe the market already caught on to the Texans too. I saw they're up to like six and a half. I was like, Oh shoot. I wanted to get, I, I should have got them. <laughs> but I, I hate investing like way too early. I yeah, just like same, yeah. It's just like, you know what I mean? But uh, I would have loved to get the Texans at five and a half. Uh, but yeah, that is going to do it for our NFC West uh, fantasy preview here on the Fantasy Flex. Uh, we have now dropped all uh, eight of our fantasy preview, divisional preview episodes. So be sure to check those out uh, if you missed any of them. Uh, and keep it locked. We'll be back next week. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker, me at Chris Raybon. I write those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.